are listening to the Mile Straight podcast. For more information on Mile Straight or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.milestraightbc.org. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Tom Goss. Well, this is one of those rare occasions when uh, I'm up here to speak and tell you you do not need to get something out to take notes. Uh, Generally, that's one of the first things I say because I think that's really important. I think it helps us to learn. But today, I just want to... I want to skip what we originally had planned, and I just want to tell you a story. Story time at Mile Straight. You don't have to put your heads down and take a nap while I do it, but uh, something happened this past week that caused me to pause and to start thinking. Um, And it's one of those type of thoughts that just seem to take over. They seem to to just control and dictate my thoughts <clears throat> for the, the entire time that it's running through my head. And uh, that's been the way it is. Uh, in fact, yesterday as I was trying to prepare and get thoughts in my head, uh, get them down for today, I couldn't get away from the story I'm going to tell you that's going to lead us into the other story. And so I thought, okay, God, what are you doing here? Is this, is this something that you want me to pursue? And I, I believe it was. I believe that it's exactly what he was after. And so as a result, your, your study guide won't do you much good today. It's going to be completely different. On Thursday, I did the funeral of a man that I greatly, <clears throat> I greatly, <clears throat> my goodness, I greatly admire. It was, the situation is that I'd I'd never met him, to my knowledge. I do not think I'd ever talked with him up until his daughter-in-law started posting on Facebook that he needed prayer. I don't think I'd ever even heard his name before. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I had in the past. I just don't remember that. Um, And so... Once I found out he had passed, his son, who used to attend church here when he was young, now he's an adult, he's married, they live in Ottawa and attend church in East Ridge. He contacted me and uh, asked if I, would, um, <clears throat> if I would do the funeral for his dad. Their pastor was out of town and needed someone to step in. And for me, that's a difficult spot because I, I like for a funeral to be more personal I like to include something about the person, but if I, if I don't know them, it's hard for me to, to step into that role. And so I asked his son, I said, would you mind sending me information about your dad? Just tell me about him. And he did. And I can tell you that what I began to read caused me time and time again to say, wow, this is a quality person. Incredible guy. For example... He spent 40 years in the military, retired from the Army. He had uh, fought in Desert Storm. He even received the Bronze uh, Heart, for, or, or the Bronze Star, rather, for heroic actions in that, in that war. I mean, that in itself is enough to be admired. On and on it went. But the one thing that really stood out, he said, Tom, 
my dad was the kindest person I've ever known. He said, when I was little, he married my mom. And soon after, he started the process to adopt me. And he went through all the necessary steps. It took a long time. And he finally got it accomplished. He adopted me. And shortly thereafter, he and my mom divorced. And I kind of expected that, well, that's the last I'll see of him. You're your mom's problem now. Go bother her. And he said, but that's not the way it was. He continued to be my dad. He continued to love me, to be my friend, to be my mentor. He continued to do those things that he didn't have to do. Probably no one would have faulted him had he just gone his way. I thought, wow. In a world that is so consumed with self, a world that is so consumed with what's best for me and what's best for my own uh, status, here's a guy who stepped up and did the right thing, who honored his commitment. Wow. It reminded me of another story, and as I thought through this other story, I, I began to realize, this was yesterday, that, that it was something that probably needed to be shared. I really felt that's the way God was impressing my heart. It's a true story, but I'm going to take some liberties in the story to uh, maybe make it more individualized for, for us, for our church. And, um. But it's a story about a king who had a lot of children. And for some reason, a lot of his children, he had a number of them, but a lot of his children were embarrassed to be called a child of the king. Now you may be thinking like me, why in the world would anyone be embarrassed to be a child of the king, right? I mean, there's a lot of perks, a lot of neat stuff that comes along with being a child of a king. Why would you be embarrassed of that? And yet, they were. I thought through it. Why could this happen? And I've come up with several possible scenarios, possible reasons. This is the part where I'm taking liberty with the story, just so you know. This is not part of the original story. It's just my, my explanation, maybe, of what's taking place. And I thought maybe, maybe it was the case that for them, if... If people knew they were a child of the king, they were treated differently. You know, maybe treated like they had a disease or something. You're not one of us. If we hang around you and we make the king mad, he's liable to kill us. We don't know what he's going to do, so you just stay away. And as a result, you know, it was, it was awkward for them maybe, and that's possibly a reason. Maybe it's just that people thought of them as as thinking themselves to be privileged. Uh, he's a child of the king. He can do whatever he wants to. And potentially some of the children took advantage of that. I imagine there were probably even people <clears throat> who weren't part of the family who just knew the king and would use that as a license to do whatever they desired. You know, I'll say whatever I want, do whatever I want. And if someone called them on it, they pulled the, the king card out you know, and said, you better back off. And as a result, there was probably people in the community who saw that, who, who really despised them over it, really, really couldn't stomach them. 
And I would imagine that there were a number of the children who possibly would have thought that they wanted to distance themselves from that. They won't know part of it. And as a result, they just wouldn't tell anybody they were children of the king. Maybe, maybe they were embarrassed because of the standards that they were held to. I mean, after all, being a child of the king, there are certain things you do, certain things you don't do. Certain things they could not do, like the other kids in the neighborhood. Certain things that they had to do that you know, were just expected of them because they were in the royal family. And maybe, maybe they didn't like that. Maybe they decided, I don't want to be held to those standards. I want to do what I want to do. And they took no consideration over how this would affect their dad. What, what it would do to his power, his, his rule, his, his name, really didn't matter. They, they took no thought to what, it, what their dad had gone through to provide them with peace and safety and, and the, privilege, the privileges that they did enjoy. They just took no thought to that. What they wanted was to do their own thing. And they weren't going to be held to the standards that other people would hold them if they knew they were a child of the king. And so they just wouldn't tell anyone. Maybe it was because there were people in the community that didn't like their dad. Uh, and so as a result, they were guilty by association. They didn't like the dad. They don't like the kids. And they were people pleasers. And so as a result, they didn't like that at all. They wanted to be in the group of people who thought they were great and and so they distanced themselves from their dad. Maybe it went even further than that. These people who didn't like them, maybe it was that they had determined to do harm to the king. That they wanted to take his authority, to take his leadership away, to take his position. And as a result, they would have faced ridicule. They could have potentially faced some very unsafe situations. So as a result, they wanted no part to do with their dad. They just backed away. They were embarrassed being children of the king. Now, I want to change the focus point for just a second because now I want us to think about the king. If you would, put yourself in the shoes of the king. You know, what would the king do? I mean, these things weren't done in secret. The king knew what was going on in his kingdom. He knew exactly what the children were doing, what, why they were doing it. He knew how they felt. They weren't hidden from him. What would he do? I mean, for kings of olden time, it was nothing for them to disown their children. Uh, a king, when Jesus was born, would even have his children killed because he thought they were trying to get his place. I mean, it was nothing. No one would question him if he disowned them. If he said, okay, you want to treat me that way, then go ahead. Make your way out of the world and see how you do. I don't want any part of you anymore. 
And yet, surprisingly, this king did as Eddie Rogers did. Eddie Rogers, a guy whose funeral I did Thursday. Instead of separating himself from his child under difficult circumstances, he showed real love. The king did the same thing. It was unconditional love. Unconditional love is this. You can't do anything to make me love you more, and you can't do anything to make me love you less. It's not conditional upon what you do. The king was exercising unconditional love for his children. You talk about me badly, you do whatever you want to do. There may be some consequences to your actions, but it will never change the fact that I love you. Never. I believe, this is my opinion again, I believe that the king was showing this very openly, showing his love for his children very openly. He wanted them to understand the depths of his love. I believe that he, he hoped that by showing his love over and over, his unconditional love for them, that he expected that at some point they would recognize that love and would respond in kind. Now, I, I really believe that when you experience that kind of love on a consistent basis, that you can't help but respond with 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 appreciation, with thanksgiving. You can't help but respond with love of your own. But maybe they didn't fully understand the situation. Because much like the story of Eddie Rogers, this king wasn't really their birth father's either. It's true. He only had one son of his own. But he had opened his heart to the people in the community. He had looked out to those who were desperate, those who were helpless and hopeless, and he offered them the opportunity to be part of his own family. That's pretty amazing, really. And what goes further is that while you would think this is the king, it's easy for him to do, he simply speaks the word and it's done, that's not the way it was. It was a very costly, very costly thing for him. In fact, it cost him that which was dearest to his heart. Maybe you know exactly where this story is going maybe you don't but let me just tell you the king in the story is none other than God himself maybe you'll be surprised by this maybe you won't maybe you know it already but God loved us so much that he looked down upon a helpless world a helpless mankind and he looked at our desperate situation and decided that he wanted to make a way for us to be adopted into his family. You see, there's a big problem with mankind. The problem is that we've all broken God's commandments. We've all sinned against God. That's problematic because the Bible says that those who sin also fall short of the glorious standard that God sets that's required for us to get to heaven. 
So in other words, when we die, when we step from this life into eternity, there is no way for us to go to heaven, which only leaves one place for us to go. And that, of course, is the place where we will pay the price of our sin for all of eternity in the lake of fire. A pretty scary scenario. But God, looking upon our helplessness, made a, made a way for us to be completely forgiven. Made a way for us to be made right with the holy God. Made a way by which His wrath and judgment would be poured out upon that which would be sacrificed. And of course, that which would be sacrificed was His only Son. I can't really imagine that. I love you. But I can't imagine anything could occur that would cause me to sacrifice my child for you. I'm just being honest. And yet God would sacrifice his son for the people who really didn't like him that much. People he knew that would turn their backs on him, would despise him, would reject his son. God allowed him to be sacrificed. John 3.16 says that God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, would not spend eternity paying the price of their own sin in the lake of fire, but would inherit eternal life, everlasting life. John 1.12 As many as received him, to them he gave power to become children of God. Even to those who believe on his name. God made it possible for us to be forgiven. Not because we're so deserving. Not because we can do something to earn it. We can't but simply because he loved us. So what do we do with this information? I mean, what are we to think about this? I can think of two things that would be action points for us to put this information into good use. First of all, to know that Jesus Christ has died for your sin. I mean, not just me as pastor, not just the deacons, not just uh, Bible study leaders in our church, but every one of us. Jesus died to pay the price of our sin. Therefore, it makes it possible for you to be adopted into God's family, for you to be part of the family of God. God has made it possible through the sacrifice of His Son for you to be made right with holy God. So then the first action step, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never been adopted into the family of God, then today can be your day. Today can be the day. In just a few minutes, I'm going to invite you to come and meet me here at the front. You say, well, I would be embarrassed to do that. Let me tell you something. There's not a person in this auditorium who hasn't already taken the step I'm asking you to take that would not love to see you down there. I guarantee you they'll be your biggest cheerleaders while you're coming. And so I invite you to come and see me. We're not going to 
hold you in any type of pressure. There's no cost. It's just simply giving you some information and letting you make an informed decision. If you'd like to do that, opportunities available for you. The second action step I can think of is, is to consider the question, am I, am I one of the embarrassed children of God? You say, well, how would I know? Well, think back over the last week. Who did you tell about God this past week? Maybe it needs to go a little further. Who did you tell about God over the last month? Maybe it needs to go a little further. Who did you tell about God over the last year? Who have you invited to come to this place so they'll hear about God? You know, my purpose isn't to shame us. Maybe you're like me and it does bring shame. My purpose is just to make us think. Because I really believe that a lot of times we haven't truly considered everything God has done for us. That God owed us absolutely nothing and yet sacrificed His Son so that we could be adopted into His family. How dare we be embarrassed of Him? 